Welcome to this week at Missouri Politics from the state capitol in Jefferson City with the legislative session winding down. We have the 57th governor of the great state of Missouri, Governor Mike Parson. Welcome back to the show. Yes, Scott. Good to be on this morning. It's a great day. So I remember vividly. I mean, your detractors and your supporters call you the most pro-life governor in the history of Missouri. Right. This week, there was a landmark case. My entire life, I've heard about it. Roe versus Wade looks like it could be about to be overturned. That's got to be some validation for your career's work. You know, there's no question that's exciting news, you know, but I've also understand I've been around long enough. You got to wait till them official votes take yep. place. I think we all do. But I think just the idea of that hope of protecting life for many of it that believes in that and our values is so important. And to really be at the footstep of getting this changed is a pretty landmark uh, needless to say, peace of legislation for the United States. And, and, and more importantly, Scott, I think it goes back to the fundamentals of the Constitution. States should be the ones deciding what's best for their and the people of their state, not the federal government in a lot of issues. And I think this is one particular case 50 years ago that I believe the federal government overstepped their boundaries and that Roe versus Wade should have never been settled there if the states should be making the decisions whether they want to be a pro-life state or pro-choice state. I mean, you've I mean, you've been earning the title of the most pro-life governor in the history of the state. Yeah. You've signed a lot of legislation. Right. Do you believe right now, if the court were to decide that, that goes away? Does that mean that it's illegal to have an abortion in the state of Missouri? Yeah, I think we're headed down that path that we're going to make sure that doesn't happen in our state. Look, when, when I first come to the legislative branch, there was 8,000 abortions a year in the state of Missouri. 8,000. So, and you, you keep, I've been up here 16 years or so. So when you think of that 8,000 so many years, we start whittling down, whittling down, whittling down through what we've been through legislative actions, through the budget process. But last year there was 40 abortions in the state of Missouri. Those are real lives that you've been able to save in your career and to make sure to continue to do that because I'm just a firm believer in, uh, you know, everybody has a right to life. You know, and nobody should take that away from those individuals. Well, let me just ask you the question. When you leave state government in 2024, will that number be zero? Oh, I'd love for it to be zero when I leave here. That would be a great accomplishment to start off with 8,000 and down to zero. We'll see. Uh, you know how this all comes out at the end of the day. But uh, right now it looks like it's heading in the right direction. It's good news for all of us that are pro-life and what we stood for all our lives, what that Supreme Court decision is. And, you know, sometimes you win in the Supreme Court and sometimes you lose. And it looks like we're going to win. Let's talk about the budget. You turned in a budget. Legislatures uh, had their hand in it. Uh, this federal money makes it. I always found this place, the air is a little crisper. The, the pizza at Era's Pizza is a little fresher when there's money in the state budget. Yeah, you guys have right, money. Right, what are you right. going to spend it on? You know what? we got to be accountable, first of all. You know, I've been through the process where you've had to cut. That's not much fun uh, when you haven't had money. But we also got to be smart how we do this. You know. Uh, I think we got a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to make investments in our state for the future generations. And I think when we start putting this budget together, when we did, we felt like we wanted to do what can we use the, the ARPA money for long term? What is going to be here 10, 15, 20 years down the road? And you know, we wasn't so interested in the one-and-done programs were, or anything that's just one-and-done and it's gone. We're looking how do we invest that money long term? How do we build a workforce of tomorrow? How do we make sure a kid in school knows that he probably maybe not gonna go to college, but he maybe needs a work certificate. Maybe he's gonna go to a community college. Maybe there's other avenues for him in the workforce. I wanna make sure those kids know that. I wanna make sure we're building the infrastructure in our state. If you want businesses to come here and you want people to stay here, you gotta invest in those type of things. Broadband, 
things that really are going to make a difference in people's lives. So, are more people going to be have connected to broadband after this budget signed? There is no doubt. They're the, you know, this is the largest investment in broadband we're making. It's not as much on the financial side as it's a matter of just absolutely getting it done. Yeah. But again, you've got to have a long-term plan for that. You, you know, everybody's not going to have broadband in one, two, or three years. You know, it's a long-term fix. I mean, the fact is, you can beat your drum about conservatism all you want, but it took, it took government involvement to run power to the farm. Right. It took government involvement, it will take government involvement to run internet to the farm. It, there's no doubt about that. And Scott, when you talk about electricity in the day, electricity had the same problems for having broadband. You know, how are you going to get that to some remote area somewhere, to a house in the middle of nowhere? But let me tell you, today we all expect to flip a light switch on, lights come on. And we expect it to be quality electricity. Same thing with broadband. Everybody should have a right to access to that. Let's talk about infrastructure. That's the thing I've, you've talked about the entire time I've ever known you. <laughs> and I, to me, rural broadband is very much infrastructure. Sure. But to a lot of folks, yeah. it's highways. Yeah. The legislature came through, put some more money into MoDOT. Yeah. What should folks be looking to see out of that? You know, one, again, accountability. You know, I think one of the things we really wanted to do is we wanted to work in a lot of areas of the state, minor routes, rural routes, that's very difficult to get money to. And by putting money there, we could free up more money to be able to use federal matching money to do bigger projects, Buck O'Neill Bridge, Roachport, I-270, those major projects. But when you look what we're doing in this state with the rail system, with our airport system, KCI with the new airport, expanding the river ports, I mean, these are the thing, again, you're building long-term for the economics of our state. And the most important thing I think people need to realize when you're investing in infrastructure and workforce, you gotta have those two things. You can't have one without the other. You gotta have both of them going. And then the other thing is, I think we all want an opportunity for our kids to stay here. We want our grandkids to stay here. We all want that chance. Now, whether they all do or not, I don't know, but you gotta have jobs for them, and you have gotta have good paying jobs, and you gotta build the infrastructure to bring people here. And we're doing that right now. When I think of the advocates for rural Missouri, I think of you, I think of Senator Hegeman. He's right. beat the drum hard on those rural routes. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how much he's in sync with MoDOT right now, but can you tell folks in North Missouri watching this that there will be attention paid to those. I don't, I don't think whether you're northeast, you're southeast, or southwest. You know, I think when we did the bridge, bridge program that we did early on, of those 250 bridges, I think we're close to 200 of them being completed. Most of them were out in the That's kind of stuff that matters to folks, right? Yeah, you make that, a promise, yeah. keep it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, just because you live in a rural area, remote area, doesn't mean you don't want good transportation. Yeah. You know, and doesn't mean it always needs to go to the bigger urban areas. They're going to get their fair share of it. And by taking care of some of those things now, it frees us up to do major projects. And I think when you look at workforce development, the things we've done, when you look at infrastructure, things we've done, we've cut income taxes, which kind of got lost in the COVID. But we've literally cut people's income taxes twice since I've been governor. And the way the revenues are right now, we'll cut it a third time. Those are things that last forever. When you start taking people and you cut their income tax, that's a good day for the entire state, for everybody. So we want to keep working on issues that are long-term goals. I never believe there's a guy getting off work at Nixa today, looks at his check and says, I didn't send enough money to the government. I don't think anybody thinks that. When you keep more of that, that matters to folks. Oh, yeah. And, and that's every time you look at that check, we want them to think, at least my taxes are going down, you know, from, from at least from our perspective of the state level. We want to be able to do that. That's what we want to look. And we just don't want it to be one time and says, okay, I had a little hit today. We want it long-term. We want long-term investment. Oh, Snicker, I see the folks at the Post of the Star criticize you for making sure rural Missouri gets its share, whether yeah. it's vaccines or whether it's roads. Yeah. I, I seem to don't know that those punches really land on you. Yeah. You, you know what? Listen, 
We've did uh, our best. I probably, as far as working with the urban areas, I don't think without any questions, I've been to St. Louis more than most governors have ever been. I work for the African American Community the Municipal League uh, with a lot of organizations there in Kansas City, both that I work with. Look, the one thing I will tell you, all Missouri needs to do well, not just one segment of the state for Missouri to do well. But you know, you, you can only do so much in state government. You know, those are big urban areas. They, they've got a lot of resources to be able to use. We want to help but we're not the ones that run well, that show. Quentin Lucas sat there behind that microphone and bragged on you for helping Kansas City during a campaign. I mean, that's yeah. about as good as you can get. <laughs> well, you know, it, it is, you know, and, and I think I'm always one of them guys, Scott, I think you've known me for a long time. I always try to look at what do we agree on and let's get that off the table. There's always going to be things we're going to disagree on in, in certain areas of the state. And, and it could even be rural area too sometimes. I'm not always on the same page. But I think there's so many things that we have that we can agree on this state of Missouri and it's why our state's really fair and better than most states in the United States right now. But uh, you got to stay the course. Workforce going well? Workforce is going well. I mean, I think we've learned a lot, what we've been through the last two years. I think we've got more people engaged. Uh, you know, I, I, know the con I know a lot of controversial around the schools and all that. But you know what? We just woke up a lot of parents, too, to say, hey, I want to know what's going on in these school systems. And, and I think that's a good thing. I think in the long term, it'll be good when we start looking at what activity our kids are learning in school. And people need to know what that is. So I think that's a good thing. People are I've asked you that. before about these construction jobs. A flood of illegal immigrants The President Trump talked about it. You've talked about it. There is some money that I think Senator Hageman has in the budget to give you some tools to combat that. Is that something the state's going to do? Well, for, first of all, you go talking about this illegal immigration, what's happening at the southern border. Number one, everybody should understand there is no good thing out of that. There is nothing good happening with those people coming across that border. And it is going to eventually get to Missouri. So I was criticized pretty heavily when, when I said something about I signed a document saying, hey, I, I didn't want that to happen. And it says, hey, why am I worried about the border in Texas? Because those people are coming to Missouri. Well, go to the border of the Missouri River and Criminals are coming to Missouri. Fentanyl's coming to Missouri all over this country. And there's a reason there is a legal way to come to this country and an illegal way to come to this country. And I think what you're seeing right now is just total chaos and out of control. And we've got to do what we can from the state levels to fight that back. And Missouri's going to do its part? Yeah, we, we are. We're going to help Governor Abbott down there. We have been all along behind the scenes being able to help with that. But look, I, I can't imagine being in Governor Abbott's shoes. And I, and I know Governor Abbott real well. But I can't imagine being yourself out there trying to fight a federal issue and no get no support or no help from the federal government to speak to. They I almost mean, push you down, right? And nobody wants to talk about this issue too much because everybody's wanting on the national level, they want to push this away because it's not a positive thing. But I, when you see what's happened in the last 14 months under this, the president's administration that we see today, I have never known in my lifetime someone to make so many mistakes, so much incompetent decisions in my career. And I'm normally not a guy out there going out there hammering people. But I'm going to tell you, the worst day I've had as governor when I was sent on the tarmac in St. Louis when Corporal Smith come back in a casket. That was the worst day I've had as governor, and I've had a lot of things. But that young man should have never come home that way. And I think when you see, again, another failed policy administration uh, of what they did. And you, as an Army veteran, I understand the ranking order of the chain of command. The Commander-in-Chief's President of the United States. But the President of the United States, when he does a military maneuver and he tells everybody what time we're going to do it, what day we're going to do it, and what the location is, it's never going to be a good result when you're fighting with the enemy. And it was just, it's unfortunate all that happened, but uh, you know, look, we got to fight our battles here in Missouri, and we got to make sure that doesn't expand. 
minutes uh, before we'll let you go to the Senate race. Now that Senator Blunt's leaving, you probably know more than anybody in the state about running in the state. Uh, how do you size it up? You know what? I think it's really changed. I think it's changed a lot with a lot of things that have happened over the last several months. Uh, you know, and I'll, I will tell you this, you're a long way from poor primary yet. Yeah. So other things could happen still yet. Uh, but I think you got some good candidates out there uh, that I've ha had a chance to know for a long time. Uh, they're, they're good people running. If you're, a, if you're an old boy that hunts and fishes and works hard in rural Missouri, right. you're a Parsons supporter. Yeah. What would Mike Parsons say you ought to think about before you pick a candidate? Make sure you know who they are. Look at their records. Honestly, just, just take a look at them. Most of these candidates, I'd be talking to people that know them, have dealt with them, you know, and what is the record is that, you know? And all of them, you know, for the most part's got records. Analyze them. Say, who, who do you think is going to be the best person that's going to represent you as an individual in Washington, D.C.? Not a organization, not a special interest group. Well, that old boy may end up writing you in. Who, who do you? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, no, he can, but I won't be going. Uh, I got a one-way ticket when I leave here. So uh, That's where uh, you are going. Uh, I guess we'll see you at the State Fair this summer. Yeah, you know, I'm excited about that. A lot of good things happening for the State yeah. Fair, some things happening. You know, I think everybody last year, we've seen it. I think it'll be bigger and better this yeah. year. I really do. I think you're going to see some great crowds there. So I'm excited about it. I know you'll be there. Absolutely. Uh, we'll, we'll be there. Jesse will be there. We'll have a good time. Yeah, it's always fun to go to the State Fair. Everybody's we'll enjoying it. Appreciate the chat. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, Scott. We'll be right back with our Opinion Maker panel. Representative Ben Baker makes his debut on the show after this. All across Missouri, our new car and truck dealers are building strong local economies. When you buy a car or truck in Missouri, you're helping to support over 20,000 Missouri families who rely on the auto industry for good-paying local jobs. You're also helping fund our communities, schools, first responders, and our roads because dealers generate millions of dollars in tax revenue. Missouri's automobile dealers have been the foundation of our communities for generations and for generations to come. The Missouri Automobile Dealers Association, the heart of Missouri. For more than a century, the St. Louis Carpenters Union has shaped our communities. Through trusted alliances, we deliver skilled professional craftspeople while our business partners provide the kind of quality jobs that keep our economy humming. It's a blueprint that has worked since 1882. Turning Missouri into a right-to-work state stalls progress, wipes out jobs, and kills momentum. Right-to-work is wrong for everyone. Let's keep Missouri moving forward. Visit carpdc.org to learn more. Your energy needs are changing. That's why at Ameren, Missouri, we're not waiting on the future. We're building it with the Smart Energy Plan, advancing thousands of projects across the state helping reduce emissions through cleaner energy sources, boost reliability with self-healing equipment, and better withstand storms with new composite poles. Moving Missouri forward and bringing us all a little closer together. That's Energy at Work, Ameren, Missouri. Welcome back to this week at Missouri Politics. Opinion maker time here from the state capitol. Former Senator Tim Green, welcome back to the show, sir. Thank you. Mally Shores with NARAL, pro-choice, all the titles, right? Formerly NARAL, thanks Formerly. for having me. Yes, ma'am. Representative Mary Elizabeth Coleman, welcome back to the show. Thank you. First time on, Representative Ben Baker. Good Very glad you. to have you, sir. Thank you. All right, Representative, the day you've waited for, I when, when I saw the news, I thought of you first. What actually is happening and what will this mean for Missouri? So what's happening already is nothing. We have a leaked opinion from the Supreme Court and it's really important to note that those opinions can change at any point. And uh, this leak is really historic and unprecedented. And so I think temperament is probably important and called for. But if the decision does come out as everyone seems to be expecting it to, it's an incredible 
really victory for the unborn. Um, the pro-life movement has been fighting to protect children and women from the violence of abortion for almost 50 years. Um, and that's through the system and in the courts and that the American experiment has worked within the system instead of trying to tear it down is an incredible win. Mr. Baker, I mean, as long as they've been around politics, Republicans have talked about this day. Now it looks like it's about to be here. It's huge news, uh, obviously, for us that, that have advocated for that. It's been a big part of my political uh, experience. Uh, I was the executive director in, and, uh, of the board of a uh, CareNet Pregnancy Resource Center. It's something I've always been passionate about. I think the biggest thing about this, though, this week is the concern over uh, this leak and uh, the future of our, our country when it comes to a constitutional republic, and uh, that has to be investigated, and I think we've got to get the bottom of that. All right, so let's assume that whatever is in this leaked opinion is reality. I think a lot of people are kind of making that assumption. What does that mean for groups like yours and abortion rights in Missouri? You know, with this leak, it was exactly what we expected, if not on the timeline that we expected. They will overturn Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey with no regard for the health, the dignity, the safety, or the lives of pregnant people. The movement for 50 years has actually been contributing to the devastating rates of maternal mortality that we have here in our state, rates that are even significantly higher, as much as four times higher for black pregnant people. That is going to be who is going to be the most impacted by this legislation are those already facing the most severe barriers to accessing reproductive health care to be able to care for themselves and their families. Senator, let's just talk practicality here. Currently, if you want to get an abortion in the state of Missouri, if you're a Missourian, you drive to Illinois anyway, right? I mean, for the most part. Does that not just keep happening? Well, I think that keeps happening. And I think the one thing we always need to keep in the forefront is the health of the woman. And one of the things we always tend to forget about is there's a lot of sexual assaults that go on in this state and in this country. And nobody wants to be realistic about it, but those are unwanted pregnancies, women that had been attacked, possibly left dead from the attack. And you want to dictate to them what's best for them and their family. I think that needs to be taken into account as well. All right, obviously hugely emotional cultural issue. Let's talk about the politics of it. I assume that, that folks like Mallory are gonna be somewhat energized. But I believe the reason the Republicans, the single biggest issue of them taking the majority was abortion. You throw guns in there, but really those two issues. Now that you, the pro-life folks have won, I mean, I think no matter how you look at it, you're gonna see a little bit of an ease in their intensity. And I think that could really change Missouri politics. It's, it, I, I agree with you. It's easy to attack, but then you also have to become a defender. And I think that's what this possible decision could be. President Baker, the toughest thing in politics, I think, is to get what you've been fighting for. I watched people, there was, back in the day, you couldn't have shot a spitwad through this rotunda without hitting a doctor when there was a med mouth thing. He was representative here. Now you can't even get a doctor of the day, you gotta get a doctor of the week uh, with guns. When there's folks that wanted concealed carry, they were here all the time. Now, folks come up, but not with the same thing. Do you think there could be an ease in the intensity of pro-life folks now that they've won? I don't know. I, I think people that are passionate about that issue are going to follow it through, uh, you know. And it, you know, Obviously, it goes back to states and states' rights, uh, and I think that's where it should have been in the first place. Uh, and in that, you know, we're, we're, we're in a really good position as of uh, the result of uh, House Bill 126 that was passed several years ago. I've had a lot of people already contact, contact me about that. Where are we at uh, when they've heard about the decision coming, to, or not the decision, but the potential decision coming down? Um, and people are really happy about that from what I, uh, the 
conversations I've had that we have already uh, put ourselves in that position. So I think people are still in tune to it and they will continue to be so. What happens next? You know, seven in 10 Missourians do not oppose political interference and access to abortion. And that is the majority. And so what happens next, I suppose, is the politics of it. You have folks that are only trying to advance their own political agenda to seek higher odds. Hold on, come on. I think that's a pretty, you've said a number of things that I think are really um, off point and I've let them go in deference to our host, but I'm gonna stop you there. When we passed House Bill 126, NARAL and Pro-Choice Missouri were saying, this is it, we're flipping, we're flipping things. This is beyond what people want. Missourians don't want this. And we elected Republican majorities unlike anything we had ever seen. And I'll tell you this too, a movement that has been working for 50 years to protect women and children from the violence of abortion, to protect the unborn, doesn't just disappear or dissipate because what we know is that every woman who finds herself in an unintended pregnancy is going to need support. And that's why the Republican majorities of this state have passed the Healthy Moms, Healthy Babies Act. You're a lawyer. And that's why you're fighting Medicaid expansion so that you can deny people of low income who need access to reproductive health care from getting support during pregnancy. There's a wonderful debate that I did on Scott's show that'll talk about why I'm wanting to make sure that we protect Medicaid for the most vulnerable. And you can watch that and see my points on that. I want to ask you a question as an attorney. If this if this decision is what was what was leaked, yeah. is abortion illegal in the state of Missouri today? When that when that happens? No, there's one of three things that will have to happen for that trigger ban to go into effect, and I think you'll see all three of them. The governor has to issue a proclamation that says Roe v. Wade has been overturned. I seem to think he's going to do that. The attorney general will have to issue one of these three things, and I think all things are going to happen. The attorney general will have to tell the reviser of statutes that Roe v. Wade has been overturned. I think he might beat the governor to his part. He already said he's going to do it. And the state legislature could also send concurrent resolutions saying that Roe v. Wade is overturned and that abortion is illegal in the state. Let me ask you the political question. Yeah. I mean, I do believe the intensity, while I think polling I can believe, the intensity in this state's always been the pro-life side. That intensity is going to ebb some. There's no way it couldn't, right? Well, so the state has always been pro-life. Under our democratic supermajorities, we enshrine that life begins at conception in our state mm-hmm. statutes. And I don't think it's changed whether party affiliation has changed. And a lot of people really misunderstand what Roe v. Wade does. And even Mallory did. She said it was legislation. What it is is actually a court opinion. And by kicking it back to the elected representatives, if they believe the majority agree with them, then elect representatives who agree with you, and you should have no problem winning in the state houses. Well, let's talk about electing representatives. They're trying to draw congressional have been trying all year. Uh, no dice so far. The Senate has one that I think most folks thought was just comically bad. I mean, just silly. The House has made some attempts. Um, I think now they're, they're starting to get towards silly because they're trying to placate senators. You've lived through a couple of these. What's going to happen? Well, what, what has happened in the past is you've at times had Republican legislatures and Democratic governors. So you had the Republicans unite and draw a map. Governor Nixon vetoed it. There were enough Democrats that were content with the map, and they overrode. This time, you have a Republican House, a Republican Senate, and a Republican governor. Somebody has to be the new bad person. So you're trying to draw these maps, which I give Representative Shaw a lot of credit, with eight Congress people that want to make sure their districts are stay intact. Then you have a lot of elected senators and representatives that want to make sure the congressional districts stay the same. Well, you've got Senator Honor that wants a district that's advantageous toward him in well, St. Charles and the Speaker that wants in Jeff. I mean, well, that's, that's on, the, on the one thing I will say about Senator Honor, and we have disagreed many times, but keeping St. Charles intact 
the growingest county in the state, I don't think is a wrong thing. I don't look down on him, but I mean, that's what he's doing. Yes, but you got 400,000 people there. There was one time out of the St. Louis metropolitan area, out of nine congressional districts, four came out of the urban hub. So we have to realize you have to draw the districts where the people are. You can't keep protecting this county and this county, this congressman, this congresswoman. You got to draw the lines where the people are. You're drawing the lines where the people who have the power and the ambition run for Congress are, right? I mean, just brass tacks, right? That's a big part of it. I mean, the, you're splitting the courthouse in Webster County. That's just comically stupid. Right. Yeah, the Senate map I had a lot of problems with. It was I'm, almost on, a joke. I'm on the redistricting committee in the House. Uh, and you're right, there's a lot of factors in this process that I have uh, seen play out. Uh, you've got people that want what they want. You've got the congressionals. You've got all that. I think ultimately we have to go back, and I agree uh, with Tim, and that is the fact that we have to go back to what is our, our, our responsibility in this, and that is we've got to look at the population. We've got to look at the constitutional uh, you know, requirements that we have to meet, and we have to draw a map and try to keep out those other things, the politics of it, and keep that out. Unfortunately, those things are just connected and There's involved. There's been some maps. None of those things are kept out, right? It just, it, gerrymandering is real. Now, maybe we don't do as bad as Illinois does it, but gerrymandering is real, right? I mean, what I've seen in this map is the Missouri Right to Life show their face and make their goal abundantly clear that their goal is not life. It is keeping a white supremacist patriarchal majority. We saw their <laughs> own on, party. Sure. We saw their own party walk out on them as they tried to claim that a seven map was seven one map was a pro life vote. Their own party walked out on that. I mean, they did the seven one thing has kind of been just a farce, right? Well, the timing. I think you know, if you had done a map back in January, then there was certainly room for the courts to react to it, and we could have been on our second map. But instead, we negotiated against ourselves. We're working very slowly through this process, and. If it I looks had a like crystal you beat ball, the heck out of common sense. I mean, I mean listen, I think if I had a crystal ball, what I see is that we're going to pick up and pass the Senate map on the last day because there is no other alternative unless the Senate passes another map. They're not going to pick up this House Prediction, map. will they pass that screwy Senate map? I do think there will be a map passed. What map it is. What do you think? Give me a prediction. As long as it keeps them from advancing the current criminalization attacks on abortion, I take as long as you want. Will there be a white patriarchal supremacy map passed? I think we really disagree strongly on so many things it's hard to respond to, to that question. My, my projection right now is about 50-50 whether we get one passed or not. Uh, I think the, the latest one out of the House Committee yesterday is definitely the best map we've had so far on the table. Uh, before we go, you, the, the big issue this session besides maps, I think in regular people has been schools. Folks didn't like masking their kids. You put together a Parents' Bill of Rights. What's in it? So uh, it's basically trying to empower parents and, and put certain rights in statute uh, that allows them access to things like curriculum, things like uh, information about who is speaking in the classroom, uh, who is speaking in, in, in special, uh, you know. It feels like you should be able to find a curriculum online, and I'm sure some schools do, but that feels like something that is not unreasonable. A lot of schools are already doing it, but this bill was, it was crafted to try to get at the bad actors that are literally just knowingly breaking the law and not providing access to we're going to be a bad actor get off the air if we don't wrap up, so who won the week? I think Caleb Rowden, the majority floor leader in the Senate. I think uh, the Senate moved a lot of legislation this week, so, so gears are kudos to him. Who won the week? Uh, Congressman Cori Bush gained another platform this week as a champion of abortion rights, telling her story and uh, raising hell, and we're going to keep fighting with her. Who won the week? I think the unborn seem poised to have a massive victory, and it's important that we make sure that we continue to support women and children 
um, from the violence of abortion. I would say the handlers of the election integrity bill that, that uh, the people have been asking us to get done. Tough bill to pass. I always remember when people weep and gnash teeth, the first time they PQ'd this in the Senate, you knew who was in the chair? Chris Koster. <laughs> it was both ways. I'm gonna say uh, Jason Bean, the uh, senator from the Boot Hill. He has worked for a long time with Farm Bureau and different folks on protecting property rights and the government taking your land. Big bill passed. He had to work till 4 a.m. to do it, but he got it done. Senator Bean won the week. And we'll see you next week back here from the state capitol on This Week in Missouri Politics. Support for this program has been provided by the Missouri Automobile Dealers Association, Ameren, Spire, and Sterling Bank.